everybody. This is David Perkins. You're listening to the Desperation Podcast. Join us this summer for the Desperation Conference at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, July 9th through 11th. For more information and resources, go to desperationonline.com. Hey, DSM. Everybody say heartbeat of heaven. Hey, last week we started talking about this idea, the heartbeat of heaven. And we just feel so strongly about the things that God has called us to do as a youth ministry. We don't gather here on Wednesday nights. Well, the majority of us, because we don't have anything else to do or we're just kind of bored. We, we gather here with a purpose. And the real purpose, obviously, is to honor God and to, and to lift him up and to make him famous in our generation. But the other purpose is to draw people into the kingdom of God, into the family of God. And so last week we, we started this idea. And by the way, how many of you did something amazing? You weren't here last week. Maybe you were out of town, another state last Wednesday night. Just raise your hand real quick. All right. So sweet. Yeah. So many of you are out last week, which we're so glad you got to hang out with your family. But I'm just so glad that everybody is back this week. How many of you excited to be back at DSM? Come on. Does anybody, does anybody miss DSM a little bit whenever you're not here on Wednesday night? Because we certainly miss you guys, man. Um, so we started talking about this, this whole idea that, that God's heart, the heart of God is literally beating for souls, beating for lives, for people, for young people, old people, young, across the board to know them and be, and, and be known by them and walk in relationship with us. We talked about last week, this idea that Jesus at a very early age made this declaration to his mom and his dad. He was in the synagogues that he just kind of got lost. It was this major Jewish festival that was taking place. And as his mom and dad are looking for him and they find him, they're like, or where have you been? You know, that's what my mom would have said. Actually, my mom was said a whole lot more had I gone missing. But anyways, but uh, she is not the Virgin Mary. Okay, but uh, but she's awesome though. No. Mom, I'm sorry if you're watching. Okay, and so, but, but she says like basically, where have you been? And Jesus looks at her and looks at his father and says, didn't you know I have to be about my father's business? At the tender age of 12 to 13. So we talked about this idea that as Christ followers, we don't float through anything. We don't just casually kind of go through our lives, but we live on purpose, with purpose. We live from the beginning with the end in mind. We live strategically. We live in light of the fact that, hey, we're going to spend eternity somewhere. We live in light of the fact that the people all around us are going to spend an eternity somewhere. We live in light of this reality that Every single person that is in our lives is on a pathway right here and right now. And the end of that pathway is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Or as Jesus says, the end of that of, of the other pathway is death and destruction in a place called hell. And so we so we live in this in this reality that hey, Christ has called us to do something about it. Amen. So, so again, we Christ followers, Christ followers, we live with the end in mind. We, we live strategically. We never, we we were never meant to be on, on cruise control. And at one major point from last week, and that one major point is going to be our main point of this entire theme. We're going to keep it really, really simple for the next five weeks. You guys, our purpose, my point, my message, the, the whole aim is to win souls for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so for half of you, you say, hey man, I'm a boy. Half of you are like, dude, it was no, you don't get it. You don't, you, you've not yet, you've not yet entered into the reality that there is a very real man who's fully man, fully God, Jesus Christ, who literally gave his life to win every single soul that comes into the kingdom of God. That he went to the cross with your friends in mind. He hung on a cross with the people who go to your school, who play on your rugby or your lacrosse team or on your soccer team. He went to the cross as he was there, blood dripping down his face, crown of thorns plunged into his head, holes in his side, holes in his hand, holes in his feet with the very pictures and faces and names of the people whom you see on the everyday basis. And so he doesn't just stop there. He calls those of us who are going to follow him to carry the same burden 
for humanity with him. He invites us into this relationship of saying, hey, I want you to now become my follower. And in doing so, you are my disciple. See, we know nothing of real discipleship here in America. So many of us, we completely miss the point. The whole point of coming to Jesus is that we say, God, we lay our very lives down. Anything that you ask of me, anything that you require of me, you are not just my savior. God, you are my Lord. Lord. And there is a difference. So many of us have encountered the Lord in the dynamic of him being our savior. And we understand God, you love us and that's great. But now it's time to make Jesus your Lord. And whenever he becomes our Lord, he's not our president. You don't get a vote. This isn't a democracy. This is a kingdom. He is the Lord. Whatever he says goes, what he establishes, that is the truth. That is the basis. Bottom line, no questions asked. End of story. Period. But in our rebellious democratic mindset and half some, so many of us, well, well, you mean I don't get an opinion? No, you don't get an opinion. This is a kingdom. You can ask questions. He wants to be your father. I'm not saying he's mean and he's sitting there with a scepter just bopping you on top of the head. But whenever it comes to authority of God, we say, yes, Lord. <laughs> the only proper response to Jesus is yes, Lord. Amen. The only response to Jesus, the proper and appropriate response in every season is yes, Lord, because you are my Lord. I'm no longer my Lord. And so once we enter into relationship with him, those of us who say you are indeed Christ's followers, I'm asking you to put your money where your mouth is. I'm asking you to step it up in a real way. I know it's, it's, well, you know, is there a real cause? Yes, there is a cause. There's a reason why we do all of these different things. There's a reason why we do what we do, you guys. And it's to win souls to Jesus Christ. And so that looks like new people coming in, but that looks like those of you who've been around for months and months and years and years, and you're still trying to figure this thing out. Well, it's time to get it figured out. Tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation, says the Lord. Today is the day of salvation, says the Lord. Because tomorrow is not promised. What is life? The scripture says life is but a vapor. Here today, potentially gone tomorrow. Life is a vapor. And so I'm asking you to live in light of eternity, not just during this series, guys, but for the rest of your life, that you are marked with this revelation, this reality that not just me, but every single person in my family Every single person I meet in the grocery store or at the gas station, or football, everybody's going somewhere. And, and so we, we live with this thing in mind of saying, you know what? I'm going to have this attitude and this mindset that I'm constantly looking to sow seeds of the gospel into people's lives. To show the love of God. To invite people. You know what I'm saying? Does this make sense to you? So th- look, look. This is, I pr- this is so simple. You're here in Colorado Springs and even talking to some of you, even before service tonight, those of you who have moved from different places, this is now your city. And I want you to think of it that way. This is my city. And so you're calling everybody, well, what's my purpose? Let me tell you what one of your main purposes is to win people for the cause of Jesus Christ in your city. And so if it's yours, then it becomes, well, I'm not just here. No, no, no. This is my city. And so, and so, so what we do is we say, you know, Lord, I just make a fresh, I make a fresh pledge. God, I'm going to make it hard. This is my personal, this is my, and you can adopt this. Okay. I'm going to make it really, really hard for the teenagers in Colorado Springs to go to hell. That's it. Right. So simple. Yeah. I'm going to, and so, so my hope is that in your, in your own life, you say, gosh, I'm going to make it really, really hard for any members of my, of my cheerleading team, of my volleyball. I'm going to make it really, 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 really hard for the enemy to rule and reign in their lives. Everything I can do, everything I can say, every, every act of love I can show, any gifts that oh, I'll do, whatever it takes, I'm going to do my part. 
And listen, you're not, and it's not about, well, God, you know, it's all on me. And now I feel awful because nobody got it. No, 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 no. We share this burden with Jesus Christ. We become his hands and his feet, but ultimately he is a savior. So I'm not saying, well, oh gosh, I better put nail scars in my hand. No, 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 no. Look at your hands. There's no scars in there. You're not anybody's savior, but what you are is a conduit of the saving power of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Jesus was crystal clear. And we take special emphasis on those things that are mentioned in multiple times over and over and over in multiple gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have the great commission. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Declare. The, what is the gospel? And he's me. oh, you're all going to burn in hell. No, it's because the gospel by definition, it's, 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 it's good news. There's good news. Look, you don't have to stay in your mess. You don't have to stay in the chains of sin. You don't have to stay wrapped up in all that insecurity and trying to please people and making man your God instead of God your man. You don't have to continue. Now, if you do it, that's your choice. But you don't have to. Not anymore because Jesus Christ came and he paid the price for your sins. God, this really is good news. Psalm 51, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Guys, we got to get back to the heart of the gospel. This is exciting stuff. You mean to tell me that it should have been me hanging on a cross? You mean to tell me that because of my sins, I deserve death, but there is one who was sent from God to pay the penalty of all of my sins that I would ever commit or all of my sins that I ever committed in my entire life. And not only me, but every single person that will ever be born on the face of the planet. This is good news. But we sit there with our faces all balled up in our weird little corners and we're not sharing. And you have a whole message on the inside of you called the gospel. And we say wrapped up in intimidation or insecurity or, or pride or arrogance. And God's saying, I put an entire message on the inside of your heart that's got to get out of you. And so we're going to look at a person tonight. Y'all doing all right? Everybody good? Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm so, I'm just so happy. Okay. So, but guys, I want you to feel the weight of what we're talking about in this series. So I want you to take a look at this clip to get a sense of what I mean. Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we've discovered a new method of evangelism that is shaking the very foundation of our thinking. It may appear unorthodox, but frankly, we're shocked with the results. We're amazed at this revolutionary idea, especially designed to boost student evangelism. Why did I want to be the evangelism linebacker? Well, let me put it to you like this. You see, as a fish was created to swim in water, as a bird was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize. The evangelism linebacker deals directly with a variety of students' fears associated with sharing their faith. All right, it's all you. This house has got your name on it. I'm not ready yet. What makes you think I'm ready, though? Fear of rejection, for example. Let me talk to you about fear. Fourth and one, Jerry Rice, what you gonna do? That don't compare to fourth and one in eternity. It doesn't matter who rejects us because we're always accepted by Christ. God loves you. Get off the flow and go door to door. Can we talk to you for a minute? I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. He loves you, but it might hurt. Sometimes I'll blow you up, but it's because I love you. Yeah, but just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I need to be out sharing my faith. I mean, ah! Don't you run from me! You can't escape my class! D. Gray will throw you in the trash! Thanks to the evangelism linebacker, campus evangelism nationwide is up 87%. Ah, thank you, Mr. Gray. I'll never do it again! Hey, I can't go to the outreach today. I, got, I just got some more important things I got to do. Uh-huh. Hey man, give me a break. I went to church on Sunday. I gotta go. Selfishness? The world needs a message. For God to love the world, it wants to communicate it through you. If you procrastinate, you will open up the gate to a beatdown. Give me that phone, boy. When I see selfishness, it is my job to blow them up. That's what I do. I blow them up so that they can get their eyes off of self and look at Christ, the prize. What's up, baby girl? 
Nah, I'm busy. We're intrigued, as the linebacker is particularly effective in infiltrating centers of cultural and intellectual exchange. Here you go. Here's your double cappuccino latte mocha with a twist. Not too hot, not too cold. Perfect for you. Yeah, but anyway, man, did you hear that talk from that guy the other night? Oh, I know. Like, we were supposed to be sharing our faith in, like, coffee shop. Whoa! Whoa! Shut out in a coffee shop, baby! You next! It's unlikely that the recent decline in coffee sales has anything to do with our program. Pride comes before the fall. That's Old Testament! You see, I think it's fitting because when people have pride, if they're too prideful to share their faith, what I do is I knocks the pride out of them. What I would like to communicate to my brothers and sisters is this. When you least expect it, around the corner, perhaps even under your bed, I can be in a phone wire. I can be everywhere and just know that I'm always watching. Ready to lay the boom on you, baby. Booyah! Ouch. Are you ready for game day? <laughs> I knocks the pride out. <laughs> if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter four of one main text of scripture. I won't, won't be here too long tonight. <clears throat> it's so simple. <laughs> I knocks the pride out. <laughs> John, John chapter four, and I'm starting at verse one. Obviously, I already shared with you Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel, Right? Lord, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. I want us to look John chapter 4, and I'm starting at verse 1. I'll read a lengthy portion of Scripture tonight. Sometimes we summarize. I think sometimes it does as well, just to look at the Word and just get it in front of us. Those of you who bring your Bible, you get gold stars in heaven. Um, I just think that there's something powerful about bringing your Bible or bringing your having a Bible app on your phone, even at church, and just getting it, getting it in front of you, you guys. So John chapter 4, I'm starting at verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Verse 6 says, Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Everybody say noontime. That's important. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So verse nine says the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Verse 10 says, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, and this well is so deep. Where, where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than, than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water? Then he and he and his sons and his animals enjoy. So Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never thirst again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I, and I won't have to come here to get water. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. 17, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. <laughs> you, you certainly spoke the truth. 
Verse 19, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. I want to speak to you guys tonight just for a little bit. I just simply entitled this message, Go to Samaria. Everybody say, Go to Samaria. Samaria. Father, I thank you for the Spirit of God in this place, in our hearts, coming alive even tonight. Breathe on this message tonight. Be honored and glorified here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so real quick, you have here Jesus who is, uh, it says that he was going to a destination and the King or the new King James really brings it out because this, the version I just read says, um, he had to go through Samaria, but, but there's another translation that says he must go through Samaria. Like there was something about Samaria that if there, there was an alternate route, but, but I've got to go this particular route. It was almost like there was, the, there was something that was being orchestrated where Jesus said, I just, I got to go this way. It's kind of like maybe whenever you're driving or whenever you're going somewhere. And, uh, I don't know if it's happened to you before. It's happened to me lots of times where, I mean, the Holy Spirit kind of says, okay, no, 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 no. I need you to go this way. I know you normally take this route home, or if you're going to the store this way, I need to take a different route because this is the way that, that I have for you. And, and several times where that's happened before, or even if you're walking to class, I mean, it's as simple as, oh, okay, I'm going to math class next and I normally go through this hall, but, but, but the Holy Spirit just promises, okay, I want you to go a different route. There was a divine orchestration. There was a divine appointment. There was a divine assignment. There was something that Jesus had to do and he would have missed it had he gone a different route. He had to meet this woman on this particular day at Jacob's well because he had to give her some good news. And so in your own lives, what I'm saying is this whole thing of the heartbeat of heaven to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because there are multiple times throughout your week where he is trying to divinely orchestrate things in your life for you to be used for the glory of God. And if you're not listening to him and if you're not asking him for instruction, you'll miss it. And I've been there before. I miss lots of moments. I'm sure you have missed Lots of moments. I'm trying to get better at it. I'm working at this. I want you to work at getting better at it as well. Where you say, Holy Spirit, you lead me. Everything, every part. God, I want to be led by you. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the daughters of God. And so, so that's what, the place that Jesus finds himself in. So he goes to this, he goes to Samaria. Now this is a big deal. Because Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They looked down. And so there is a racial divide here. And so, and so where, where the Jews, they just knew that they were better than the Samaritans. The Samaritans in their, in their day were considered like the half-breeds. Like they weren't one race. They weren't nothing. Just kind of half-breeds. So we don't really know what you are. So you're not, I mean, so we're better than you. And then on top of that, there's all, so there's all sorts of tension on both sides with the Samaritans. Like, whatever. You know, and so, so, so they, I mean, they just did not associate with one another. And then on top of that, Jesus being the good Jew that he was, Jewish men never spoke to women in public, not even their own wives. And so these are huge lines that Jesus is just kind of stepping over because it does not matter to him because he is so consumed with his purpose to win souls. The minor, uh, even laws or expectations of the day did not matter because he was so consumed with his purpose. I've got a mission. He was so consumed with living with the heartbeat of heaven beating in his chest. I've got to go to Samaria. And so he opens a dialogue with this woman. Okay. And so, and so we see here, even in the scripture, we like to okay, well, Jesus walked on water and Jesus was supernatural and he did miracles. Jesus was God. He's also a man. Jesus had been walking around a long time. Jesus was tired and Jesus was thirsty. And so he just simply asks her, can I have a drink of water? And it wasn't just that, that Jesus was saying, oh, I know that I'm, this is going to lead to a much bigger conversation. I mean, obviously he knew that because he knows everything, but he was really thirsty, y'all. So you see the humanity of Jesus even being tired. And so, and so as he's talking to this woman and he, and he asks her for, for, for the water, she, of course, she's not getting it. She responds and, and we'll look at this in a couple of verses here. He says, give me a drink. Jesus engages in friendly dialogue with the woman. Okay. I want you, what I want you to notice about this is the humility and the, um, the normalcy, if you will, of Jesus 
He's just striking up a conversation. Hey, can I have some water? And so for us, you know, it, it's it, winning the loss is not about a, a certain personality type. It's not about you being loud. You have to have like a poster and like march around your school or, you know, or like cut slips down the hallway. That's not what I'm, what I'm saying is, would you be humble enough and would you love God and love the lost enough to go out of your way and even have a conversation with somebody, check this, somebody that even society or your culture or maybe even your friend group says, Mm-mm. you know what I'm talking about? Everybody knows that person, right? If you can get that person in your head, in your sphere of influence, just raise your hand. Hello, that Samaritan person. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's about 99% of you. The rest of you need to get out more. Okay, and so, so, so because, we all, because we all know it's like the, oh, yeah, I, mm, I like to say kind of over here, like this is, my, this is my safe group and, you know, we're just, that's who I hang out with. That's who I talk to. I don't really like to like cross the line. Like, oh. But Jesus had to go to Samaria because there was a divine appointment waiting for him there. There was a Samaritan that he had to encounter And because he loved God and he loved the mission and the purpose and he was so strategic about it, it really didn't matter about how convenient or inconvenient it was. It did not matter what racial line or social line he had to cross, he had to jump across because there was a message that had to get out of him and get into this woman's heart, right? And so, and so as Jesus is, is talking to her so powerfully, Verse 20, I want to skip down to verse 25. As they continued their dialogue, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. And, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then Jesus tells her, I am the Messiah. 27, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, right? Because Jewish men didn't talk to women in public, right? And so they're shocked. Ah! And, but, but none of them had the nerve to ask. I like how the New Lizard Church said, hey, none of them had the nerve to ask. And so, so, so what, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Verse 28 says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, listen to her message, come, come and see a man who told me everything that I've ever did, could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Stopping at verse 30. See, you guys, this woman had been so impacted by a few moments in the presence of God. See, this is what we're after even here whenever we gather on a Wednesday night. This is why it's a big deal that the presence of God is here. Because in Jesus' presence, years and years and years of hurt, of abuse, of pain, of shame is dealt with in one conversation with one honoring, loving man by the name of Jesus. After this conversation, this woman is left with this intense hunger and this thirst. And she says, oh God, I've got to go and tell somebody about what I have just encountered. If your gospel is not touching people through you, Your gospel has not yet touched you. If your faith is not touching people through you, your faith has not yet touched you. You're not there yet. Oh, keep coming. I pray that you get there, but you're not there yet. If your gospel isn't touching others through you, it has not truly touched you. This woman could not help herself. Like I made reference to last week, it was like fire shut up in her bones. She had a real encounter with Jesus. She didn't have to remember, she didn't have to know a whole bunch of things about Jesus. All she knew was there is something there. There's some man that I just met. You know where Jacob's well is? Yeah, we know where Jacob's well is. Well, I just met a man there and he's more than a prophet. He not only told me everything about my own, but he literally changed my life. You've got to come and hear it. 
You've got to come and experience what I've just experienced. You see how, how automatic, how, how it, it's, just, it, it's just what she did. Nobody had to tell her. Jesus didn't have to say, okay, go and tell like your whole city. That would be so awesome because I've come to save the whole world. It, it just, he makes a statement, I am the Messiah. And so prophetically, the Lord starts reaching into her heart and telling her things that he could not have otherwise known about her. And she realizes, I'm in the presence of someone supernatural. I'm in the presence of someone who is not of this world. And just like that, it shifts. And Jesus makes mention to water now. Unless you think that Jesus was saying, well, I'm the living water. No, no, no. Every time that water is mentioned in the, Holy, in, in the Old or New Testament, it is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So he wasn't even talking. He says, I'm the bread of life. But he calls the Holy Spirit like, uh, like unto water, rivers of living water. And so there's an encounter, there's a feeling even that Jesus is talking about, hey, my spirit is going to fill you because once you get born again, my spirit fills you. And so, and, and so it, it leaves you at a place where, where you don't have to thirst again. Basically what he tells this woman is you can stop chasing after all these relationships. You've been married X amount of times. You're in the midst. This is what I love about Jesus. She didn't have to change her ways before he comes in and invites her into relationship with him. Come on, somebody. He didn't say, do this, this, and that, and fill out these steps, and then like check off the list, and then, no. He says, today, I am the Messiah. And then he gives her an opportunity. He says, right here, with open arms, I am right here waiting on you. This is not difficult. This is not complicated. This is the gospel. This is simple yet powerful. It's paradoxical because it blows my mind. At the same time, I understand it well. Do you guys get this? So we've got to get the message out. So you've got to tell your friends, you guys. This really is good news. And so what happens is until good news has started transforming your life, you carry no burden to share it. It's not in you. It's around you. It may be on you, but it's not yet in you until it becomes to come. It becomes coming. It becomes uh, that which comes out of you. See, out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus says, the mouth speaks. What's in you will come out. And so if this is no big deal, that means he's not yet changed your life. You've not allowed him to. If you can sit there and talk to your friends and tell jokes while I'm talking about the saving of souls, you ain't right. Why? Because eternity hangs in the balance. Because people are dying every day. I've been to teenage funerals. They're not fun. Ever. But especially whenever I know the person's not a Christ follower, I've been there before thinking, oh God, what do I even say? We hear about the stories every, and we act like, it, yeah, well, that'll never be someone I know or that won't happen at my school. And it's happening at schools across our city. And so I'm calling you to a place. You know, Aubrey was sharing a word with us today. Well, I don't know where Aubrey is, but about even in the last months or so about how the Lord has just been pouring into us as a youth ministry and the Holy Spirit has been moving in such a powerful way. So many of you have had incredible encounters with the Spirit of God and we love that and we're going to have more of that. We don't want less of that. And incredible, some of you, even the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receiving a prayer language and speaking in tongues for the first time and all of those things. And so we've had those things. And, and so, but the whole reason, anytime the Holy Spirit starts doing lots of activity in a group of people, it's always for the saving of souls. It's always, he fills you up so that you actually have something to pour out. Jesus put it this way in, in Luke, do not wait in Jerusalem, stay there until you be endued or in blanket or engulfed with power that comes from on high. And then you will be my witnesses. So many of you have been supernaturally impacted, but the then has not come. 
because you're still waiting for more, for more. Fill me up, God. Fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me. And the Lord's saying, you are literally like, I mean, it's like the, the whole reason of the Dead Sea, the purpose why the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea is because it, it, it doesn't have a, uh, it, it's not a tributary in the sense that water from the Dead, the dead Sea just collects, collects, collects. There's no way for water to get, to, get, to get out. And so that's why there's so much salt that's built up to where nothing can live in the Dead Sea. And spiritually, that's what happens to us. Whenever we're not pouring out, the Lord says, no, there's no life in you. There's no, I don't care what kind of prayer you prayed 10 years ago. What is the Spirit of God doing and saying in your life right here and right now? It's what I asked you guys last week. When was the last time you communicated the message of the gospel to someone? When was the last time you invited someone to DSM? When was the last time you prayed for someone who is not following Jesus and you brought their name before the Lord and said, God, I pray for an open door to reach out to them, to speak your love and your truth to them. When was the last time that you shed a few tears over the people in your life that do not know him? When was the last time? Because for too many of us, it's been far too long. We are not here just to play church. We are not here to play games and be a cute youth ministry. We're here for the saving of souls. I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in what the staff is doing. I believe in what our church is doing to win the loss at any cost in this city. And I'm asking you, can you get on board? Can you think of someone other than yourself for once in your life? And again, as I said last week, some of you, and I could probably count, fill up both of my hands and start doing it again, who are doing this so beautifully. And you're inviting people and you're sharing the gospel. And some of you, it feels like, well, Pastor Brandon, it is to no avail. I have been praying and fasting and inviting. Ain't nobody can. Well, you just keep doing it. You just keep doing it. Because only heaven Sometimes we'll be able to, it'll resound in the hallways of heaven. The prayers that you prayed, the seeds that you sowed. Guys, there are people that I went to high school with now that I was in college with who are serving God now. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for the seed. Because that hellion, I mean, that demon. I mean, it was just, honestly, I mean, people who are just vicious. It was like, there is no way this dude is coming to Christ. I mean, he will curse me out up and down and just keep walking. And so, and, and, but... But it's crazy because as, even as we're Facebook friends, I'm looking, they're going to church, they're married, some of them are serving in our church. And I'm like, God, who knew? <laughs> that, seat, that seating thing actually works. <laughs> and where Paul, tells, where Paul tells Apollos, I sow the seed. Maybe one sows the seed and, and maybe you come along in water and it's God who gives the increase. I'm just asking you for sow a seed, water, do something. Do something. And we've all, and I know it's a cute little creed, and, and it was a holy guy said, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Uh, I, I don't, you know, it's lame, okay? It was, according to the gospel, there was a preaching and a declaration of the gospel. There was a message, it was verbal, it was articulated. Jesus didn't walk around saying, well, just follow me. Uh, I'm not going to say anything, just watch the way I live. No, Jesus preached and he taught, and he told the disciples to do the same thing, and he called for all of his followers. And so I'm not saying you don't be kind and you don't show love to people. What I am saying, lots of us are really good at that, but, but whenever it comes to actually saying, hey, you know, um, is there anything I can pray with you about this week? I mean, just, I mean, I know this is weird and like, we don't do this, but I mean, or, or hey, do you go anywhere? Like on, on Wednesday nights, would, would you like to come to church with me this week? Hey, will you meet me there? It's, I mean, it's pretty cool. There's this black guy there and he just, he yells at us and <laughs> speaks in tongues and does all the time with it. But I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's awkward. It's hard. I mean, but you, it just, just open your mouth and, and, and just get out there and do something for the cause of Christ. Something that's going to reverberate in the hallways of eternity. I remember in, in high school and college, my email signature used to say my, my goal, and I got it from, it was, I think it was Reinhard Bunke, my mission, you know, I'm plundering hell and populating heaven. And I'm like, I don't, what is plundering even? I don't know. But Reinhard Bunke said it, and he's won millions of people to the cause of Christ. And so literally my email at the end, it would say plundering hell and populating heaven. And literally, and so it was just like this thing where it was like, because, I mean, scripture, I mean, you read your Bible because it says that, that we, when we preach the gospel, it is though literally we are snatching people from hell fire. Oh, come on, somebody. 
And so, and so that's not like, oh, that's so lame. Christianity, boring. What a snooze. <gasps> you know, no, you're not doing it right. You're just, you're not even, probably you're not even a real Christian if you're really bored because, because the life of a Christ follower is exciting and it's dynamic and you're doing things that, that seem awkward. And then you see really big miracles along the way. And then sometimes you don't see anything for a season. And then, and then all of a sudden you see seed that you've planted maybe for a few weeks or a few months. And that seed starts to grow up in somebody's heart. And you're like, oh gosh, I didn't even think you liked me. I mean, actually, I thought you hated me. And, and, and it's like, no, I was just, what they're trying to say is I'm a sinner. I sin. That's what I do. I'm a sinner. Sinners sin. So let's not be shocked. Ah, they're sinning. No, they're, they're sinners. That's it's what, it's what sinners do. And so we can't be intimidated, afraid, backed up but, 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 but by a sinner because it's what they do. But we, as the people of God are called to be salt and light. Yeah. To let our righteous works shine like the sun in our generation. See, the darker the, 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 darker the room, the, the, the brighter the light just shines. John chapter 1, the light shined into the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Okay? So sometimes we won't understand you. It's fine. You're not of this world. You're from another world. Did you know that? If you're in Christ, there's something in you. He says, you're not even of this world. So love not the world, nor the things of this world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. And so evangelism, D.T. now says this, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I'm not better than you. I, don't, I, 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 just, I just happen to find the bread. <laughs> and we all hungry. We all need to eat. So why don't you just come and taste of, 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 of what I've experienced? You guys catch that? I want Brennan to come really, really quickly. Brennan Thompson is one of our first-year DLA students. And grab the microphone over there, Brennan. Yeah, let's go. I, go for I just want Brennan to share. There's a picture that the Lord just kind of gave her, even two weeks in a row. Last week was one thing, this week was another. So we really feel like it was from the Lord in terms of what the Lord is wanting to do through you here at DSM. So everybody, listen in to Brenda real quick. So this morning I was in prayer, and um, I got a vision of just a, a match, just the old wood ones. And I was like, okay, I don't understand. And then um, it lit a candle. And then from that candle, other candles were being lit. And I just really feel like that's... God saying he's going to ignite that fire in us and he's going to help us to touch others. Um, and we're going to impact people that we don't even realizing we're impacting by our, by our motives and, and by what we're doing and our actions and our words, even though you don't always think people are watching you, but they are and you're making an impact. And um, even earlier, they sang that song, um, burn like a fire in me for the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is, is he's going to ignite that fire in us and we're going to for the sake of the world, he's going to ignite that fire in us so we can impact it. And then ultimately, that's for the kingdom. And so I just want to really encourage you that everything Pastor Brandon's speaking about, I didn't even know he was speaking about this. So it's really cool that the Lord gave me that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a promise from God. And yeah. I think he's, you know, it's just a confirmation that if, you, if you're not there yet, like it's a promise. And so don't be upset that you're not there yet. But God will allow it to happen. and He will move through you. So just... Let him do all the work and submit to him. But when it happens, be obedient. Amen. So good. So good. So as the worship team makes their way back to the stage, I want us to, even as we just sing that song again, burn like a fire in me tonight. I want to read this last text of scripture. And I want to give opportunity, maybe, you know, I don't know where you are in your journey with the Lord. We're all over the map in this room with a crowd this size. You know, we don't, but, but a very real Jesus is in this place, even now. See, later on in, in this passage of scripture in John chapter 4, looking at verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village 
So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because of what we, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. You guys, one woman's testimony literally shook a city. How much more can one person's testimony impact, dare I say, one grade at a school, if not an entire school in Colorado Springs? One woman's story, one woman who is on fire with the presence of God, full of the love of God, impacted a city. How much more your athletic team? How much more your extracurricular club? How much more your homeschool co-op program? Come on, somebody. How much more the people that are in your lives? How much more? And so it, it happened for her. Because she said, I've tasted and seen. I've tasted something. I have drank of living water. See, you can't give what you don't have. And you certainly cannot communicate what you have not experienced. There's no power on it. There's no, there's no depth to it. And if there's anything in this generation, even non-Christ followers can very quickly pick up on is shallow, weak, hypocritical Christ followers. We have enough of those. Can you dare to be different? The world has seen enough hypocrites. And so I feel so strong tonight. Even some of you need to come out of your hypocrisy. So you can be like the woman at the well who's tasted something very real, who's encountered something very authentic and now has a real message and real water to deliver to your generation. Hypocrisy won't win a generation. Authenticity will. Hypocrisy hurts us. Authenticity will pull people up from where they are. Because they say, you love me enough to be real. And if you can be real with your God, if you can be real with me and you can be real with your God, maybe, maybe I can be real with him too. Because I got a lot of sin in my life. You guys get this? I don't think we talk about sin enough. I don't think we talk about hell and heaven and the blood of Jesus enough. We're going into Easter season, you guys. We're going to celebrate the resurrection. But without Calvary, there would be no resurrection. Without the shedding of blood, there would be no Savior getting up out of a, of a grave, a borrowed tomb. And so the beauty is found in the sacrifice that Jesus did. And so for the sake of the world, we're asking him, God, would you burn like a, like a fire in me? For the sake of the world, for the sake of my generation, for the sake of my school, for the sake of my family, God, I need you to burn in my heart. Like you burn in the woman at the well. God, I want the same thing. I want it to burn in me. So I'm asking you to go to Samaria and I'm asking you, who are the Samaritans in your life that just perhaps Jesus is calling you to? Who and where is your Samaria? Who are the Samaritans in your life, guys? Who are the ones that you have to kind of cross over a line and say, hey, I know this is weird. And I, I mean, I, just, I don't know, but who are the Samaritans? Where are they? Or maybe there are Samaritans in this place even here tonight. And Jesus is through this message tonight reaching out to you saying, hey, I know you don't think you're good enough. I know you got a lot of junk in your life. I know you got a lot of sins that you've been committing. I know what you did last night, the night before, and last weekend too. I saw it all. But I still love you, and I still want you to be mine. This is our God. This is who he is. I just want to give you opportunity tonight if you say, gosh, I'm like the Samaritan. I don't, I mean, because I, I guarantee you probably you're one of, you're, you're in this story somewhere. <laughs> and so maybe you're like the woman at the well at the beginning. Maybe you're like the woman at the well at the end. Or maybe you're like the Samaritans that Jesus, that the woman at the well went to. And listen to me, I don't, we don't even know her name. We don't even know her name, but we're still talking about her today. 
Whenever you say the, the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan, everybody knows. Everybody who's read the Bible goes, oh yeah, that's the woman that, 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 that Jesus prophesied to. And she literally turned the city upside down. We don't know her name. The world doesn't know her name. But heaven knows her name. And I don't care if you know my name. I don't care if this country knows my name. I want my name to be known in heaven as one who won souls for the cause of Christ. Because Proverbs says, he who wins souls is wise. I want wisdom in my life. So every head bow, every eye closed tonight. If you say, gosh, I need that living water. I need, I need Jesus. I need him in a fresh way. I need him to forgive me. Maybe you've been backsliding. Maybe you've been in hypocrisy. Maybe you, 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 you've been faking it. What, what, wherever you are. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is here. He came this way for you tonight. He had to come here tonight to his Samaria all over again. And so if that's you, if you say, gosh, I need, I need living water tonight. I need to, I need to know Jesus. I need to repent. I've been faking it. I'm not real. Or, or I need to be forgiven tonight. He's not my Lord. He's not my savior. I want you to jump to your feet very quickly. We don't have a lot of time. I want you to respond if Jesus is doing, if he's speaking that to your heart. And as you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit many times, that beating in your chest is the Holy Spirit just saying, hey, I'm talking to you and I'm here to meet with you. I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to guilt you. I'm here to love you. If you're staying in this place, I just want you to lift up your hands and I want us all to pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, you are the son of God. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask for forgiveness tonight from all my sins. I thank you that you live in me now. I am your follower. Come on. So I say yes to you right now. Yes to your will. Yes to your way in my life. In Jesus' name, I belong to God. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I will win others for your sake. For the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me. In Jesus' name, amen.